This is WGRE 91.5 FM, Greencastle, Indiana. Good evening and welcome to Music for Life, music from DePaul. In this episode, we meet musicology professor Alyssa Harbert and 21CM intern Brooke Addison. He's been here for less than a month, but so what? We're stranding Professor Thomas King on a desert island with a defective iPod. Hannah learns about the summer abroad that Dana Hart and Annie Chase had, and Rachel talks to Burke Stanton about his semester abroad. And we bring you some great performances that DePaul students, faculty, and guests presented this week, including from the inaugural performance at our new space, Music on the Square. There are lots of exciting things going on in the DePaul School of Music, and we're glad you could join us for Music for Life. As we continue to introduce our new faculty here at DePaul, I'm pleased to welcome our new music historian, Dr. Alyssa Harbert. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am, as you said, a music historian. Um, I am from Austin, Texas, and I'm very happy to be living in Indiana for the first time, but I've lived in the Midwest for quite a while, all through college, all through grad school. Tell us where you went to school. I went for undergrad to Lawrence University. I was an oboe performance major. I had a wonderful time there. I did a master's in oboe performance at Wichita State University, where I played in the Wichita Symphony. And then following that, I started a PhD in musicology at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. And then stayed in the Midwest to teach for a while. Yes. And then I taught at McAllister College as a postdoctoral fellow for a couple of years before getting to join you here at DePauw. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And what are you teaching? This semester, I'm teaching a wonderful seminar on the Broadway musical, the history of Broadway musicals, and I'm also teaching music appreciation for non-majors. In the future, I'm looking forward to teaching the full music history survey curriculum, as well as other sorts of seminars on various topics in music of the United States and art music in general. So we gave you at least, you know, a 10-day notice or something, that you were also going to do a guest lecture for us at the Community at Music on the Square right downtown at a course for lifelong learners on opera and wine. And you did a great job. Thank you. I enjoyed it a lot. Was it a little frightening? No, not at all. It was a wonderful, warm audience. Everybody had enjoyed a little bit of wine beforehand, so they were warmed up and in a good mood. And I always like talking to the general public about music because they have different perspectives from us uh, insider music majors. Uh, And they often remind me just how much I love the music that I'm talking about, you know, because we can get so in our heads about the scholarship, but it's wonderful to see it through the eyes of someone who just enjoys it and just loves to listen to it and experience it. And that always sort of refreshes my commitment to teaching and reaching out into the community. So I really loved that experience. That's really great. And then since this was our first community course, I kind of set the the syllabus and you drew the lucky card where you got to do Don Giovanni in 15 minutes. Yes, I did. uh, The lecture was called Monteverdi to Mozart and Don Giovanni in 15 minutes. So it was kind of a mad rush through some of the big plot points of Don Giovanni. Complete with excerpts. With excerpts um, and quite a bit of chaos as well. And done with a minute to spare. Very well done. Minute to spare. (laughs) Well, it was great to have you doing that. We're thrilled that you're here on campus. Your students speak very highly of you all ready. We're looking forward to really great things. And thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Hello, music lovers. This is Hannah Gothier with the events calendar for the week of September 21st. 
On Wednesday the 23rd, we have three events during the day. At 10.20 during student recital hour, Stasia Siena and Rachel Gates will be presenting on the Alexander Technique. Also on Wednesday at 5.40, for all of you vocalists and those who get to listen to them complain about everything, the opera auditions will be beginning, so make sure you wish all of those participating good luck. And finally on Wednesday at 6 o'clock, the Bootleg String Ensemble will be performing at Art Music at Almost Home. On Thursday, September 24th, will be another round of opera auditions. And Sunday, the 27th at 3 o'clock, the DePaul University Choirs will be performing, including the highly anticipated performance of the Benjamin Britten cantata Rejoice in the Lamb. That's it for the week of September 21st. Thank you very much and have a great week. Here are soprano Elena Escudero and pianist Tony Weinstein performing Libby Larson's Bucking Bronco at this past Wednesday's Student Recital Hour. This is Hannah Gothier, and with me in the studio today, I have senior vocal performance majors Dana Hart. Hi, Hannah. Hello, Dana. And Annie Chase. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for coming in. You're here to talk to me about your summer experience over in Salzburg singing opera. That is so cool. You guys were in two different operas, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Dana, why don't you tell me about yours first? So I sang the role of Cherubino in Mozart's Le Nozze di Figaro, mm-hmm. which is 
probably the quintessential pants roll for any <laughs> mezzo to sing. Uh, now, when you say pants roll, what do you mean by that? So pants rolls in opera are where uh, mezzos, uh, lower-voiced females, sing the role of a young man. So Carabino is probably the most famous pants role. Mm. He is a young page boy for a count. He's about 14 years old, and he is uh, just starting to notice girls. And it's really, <laughs> very, really very funny. frisky of a character. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, though, working with the musicians the other singers and the orchestra and the conductor, our director, they were all so fabulous, very creative. We were all very patient. It was very easy to get along with everyone. We all worked well together. We had good chemistry. I really enjoyed the particular cast that I was in. It was just a fabulous, fabulous experience to be able to do the opera in its entirety, also in Italian, Mm. um, because here at DePaul, we only do the operas in English. So it was really nice to mm-hmm. just be able to do the original Italian and work on pronunciation and all that jazz. In the city where Mozart wrote all of these <laughs> yes, yeah, too. Yes, in the city where he was born. Uh, what a treat. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was great. Now, Annie, what about you? What opera were you performing? Well, I I was performing Bastien and Bastienne, which is actually Mozart's first opera that he ever wrote at the age of 12. Oh, so, <laughs> oh <yeah>. okay. <laughs> right? Because um, that's what normal 12-year-olds do. Um, and so I played Bastienne, which is this quintessential shepherdess. Mm. And so I was this little Austrian shepherdess who was very upset with her boyfriend because he didn't want to marry her. And then there's a sorcerer who gets involved who wants, who tries to make me imagine Sandy in Greece when she changes into the leather kind of thing. That's what this little shepherdess <laughs> turns into oh. at the end and then ends up winning her lover back. That sounds interesting. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one-act opera, but no, it was it was a great experience. I feel like I was surprised by the lack of ego the people in our group had. I expected people to come to this experience and be more egotistical, be more mm-hmm. of a diva that you expect, but everybody was very, very humble and wonderful to work with. Everybody worked extremely hard, and it, that was a great environment to be in where everybody wanted to be there mm-hmm. and where everybody worked their butt off to make sure that they were the best they could be. That was really a great experience. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dana, what was your daily schedule? How did that um, work? So at first, my my own schedule was a little hectic because Carabino is largely in Acts 1 and 2 of the opera, so we stayed in a hostel all of us together mm. um, on the river mm-hmm. in Salzburg. And oh. so we would wake up and they had um, a little cafeteria where we could go eat a continental breakfast. And sometimes I had coachings or even a voice lesson in the morning. Um, sometimes I had staging rehearsals or music rehearsals for a particular scene. Um, we would break for lunch at maybe noon or even one o'clock because sometimes people eat lunch a little later over there. And then most of the afternoons until about five or six were more staging rehearsals, Mm -hmm. music rehearsals, reviewing of blocking. Um, Voice lessons, coachings, and then every day during the weekday we had German. Mm -hmm. We we had a daily German class during the lunch hour. It was really nice. They hired someone who works for a program to specifically teach foreigners German. Mm -hmm. So we had this really nice young guy come in and he spent five weeks every day with us, you know, 
a lot of times he would say, what do you want to learn today? And everyone, obviously, as singers, we've all spoken a lot of German. And so we picked it up very quickly. How to order food. That kind of thing mm-hmm. was our main priority. <laughs> <laughs> Ordering food, finding where we were supposed to go. In Austria, they prefer you to speak German more mm-hmm. um, in general than they do in Germany. So if you speak to them in English, that you get some weird looks. Mm-hmm. So if you can order in German, it makes your life so much easier And so actually being in an environment where you have to learn the language because Mm -hmm. the entire culture speaks that language and while they will begrudgingly speak to you in English, you'd rather (laughs) have a nice experience and and just speak in German. And so we got to learn German very quickly, Mm -hmm. not only because of the daily lessons, but because of the environment we were in. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was very easy to pick up. Also a lot of slang. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes. Never, ever say you are feeling warm in German. Just don't do it. (laughs) all right just don't do it i'll remember that (laughs) well it sounds like you guys had a fantastic summer in europe yeah well thank you so much for coming in and telling me all about this thank you dana thank you hannah (laughs) thank you annie (laughs) thank you so much hannah sopranos shannon berry and pianist amanda hobson perform richard strauss's zen sucht at this past wednesday's Student Recital Hour.
as we introduce the new folks here on the DePauw campus, we have a person joining us who's not really new and yet new at the same time. And we're talking about Brooke Addison. Welcome, Brooke. Thanks for having me. So last year and for the three years prior to that, you were a student in 21CM and now you're the graduate intern of 21CM. Yes, it's been a fun transition for me. How's it gone? Is that weird to come from being a student to a staff member just in one day? It was a little odd. I graduated. I had, I think, a week and a half off and then I was back here on <laughs> campus. But it was nice to have the summer to learn the ropes here and get a little bit more prepared before we were inundated with students again. Right, and running at a thousand miles an hour with our hair on fire, which is our <laughs> typical way of operating around here. So what we do with the 21st Century Musician Initiative is hire a graduate to spend 15 months with us in an intern position. And it's a 15-month position because they get three months as the 2T and then three months at the end as the tutor for the next person who mm -hmm. takes the job. So you came in and worked with Elika for a few months and then we dropped you in the deep end of the pool. Yes, and I did appreciate having those three months with Elika. It helped me figure out how things work here as a staff member. And I think there's always an adjustment period as well because this position has shifted and grown throughout the time that we've had it here because I think Ella could be the first to say that her position was very different from Emily's, who was the graduate intern before her, and I would say mine is very different than Ellica's position, especially with the introduction of Music on the Square, which is the new facility that I'm coordinating. Right. You know, it's really interesting. So you're our third graduate intern in this effort. Each of you singers, I don't know how, <laughs> what, how we're discriminating against instrumentalists like this, but each of you accomplished singers, but yet when you come into the position, the position is so radically different. And in a way, each of you morph the position yourselves mm -hmm. as well. Now you've taken over Music on the Square, our downtown venue. So you're kind of our 21CM intern, but you're also the manager of Music on the Square. Yes, and that's been fun for me. I came to this loving event management, and that's been my focus down at the space. So just running day-to-day -day things in the space, working on programming, running our community music program, and then also helping with events that are taking place with outside groups that are being hosted at Music on the Square. So this is a real-world job because it's like, okay, today you're fixing the light bulbs, and tomorrow you're <laughs> figuring out why there's a dumpster blocking the door, and the next day you're welcoming a world-famous cellist to cut the ribbon, and the next week it's kids coming in for a petting zoo that never stops down there. Like you said, a thousand miles an hour with your hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the team. You've already caught on. Thank you. Good to have you here. Wednesday, September 16th, saw the first performance at DePaul's new Music on the Square. Here are drummer Jason Tiemann, guitarist David Stryker, and DePaul professor Steve Snyder on organ, playing Horace Silver's Nika's Dream. Thank you. 
One of my favorite things about Music for Life is the five-minute iPod, where we ship somebody off to a remote desert island with just their iPod, and even worse than that, it's defective. And it can only play five minutes. And that's the last piece of music you're going to hear until we decide to pick you up and bring you back. So we recently introduced our Music for Life listeners to Thomas King, who's joined the faculty. He's just come to DePauw, and already we're shipping him off to the desert island. He's back temporarily, and away he goes. So if we shipped you off to this island, and you could only hear five minutes of music, what five minutes would it be, Thomas? Oh, boy. I started with a list of ten. I got it down to three pieces. Well, that's pretty good. Okay. Fritz Wunderlich was the most sweet tenor voice Mm -hmm. up until 1966. sings Tamino's opening aria, Dies it is to die for. Ooh, good choice. That's a good choice. Both and ways. That's, that's two yes, good choices. Yes, good. I agree. So I've talked about the heavenly instrument. I will now talk about Bach's instrument. Uh-huh. The organ at the end of Saint-Saëns Symphony Number no. 3 called the Organ Symphony. Uh-huh. When the organ enters on top of the entire orchestra is also to die for. That's a good choice. And then you said three. That's yes, two. Yes, I did. Mahler five. <laughs> the, the adagetto. Oh, my. Strings and harp, as slow as you can play it, it goes on for about nine minutes right. is what I, right. I noticed. We might but, let your iPod but work a little longer. At least five minutes of that would be you really... Know, 
really sublime. I agree. Mahler is absolutely sublime. I don't know if that'd be my five-minute iPod because that is so heart-wrenching and so powerful. I would just be, I wouldn't even be able to go break the coconuts and find anything to eat. I would have no power left. I agree with you. <laughs> and I figure I could sing most of the other pieces well, that are my favorites. Yeah, see, there you're cheating. You see. <laughs> but, but for listening, it would have to be that Mahler in That's there. a very good point. You singers have a little bit of an advantage because you take your instrument with you wherever you we are. Do. And all the instrumentalists we brought in, we've made them go without anything except the iPod. So you've got your bases covered. I see. Excellent choices, and thanks for coming in to share them. Thank you so much.
This is Rachel Malfitano. One of the things we like to do here at DePaul is study abroad for a semester. Here today to talk with me about his semester abroad is Burke Stanton. Hi, Burke. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about where you were. Well, the past semester I was studying abroad in Glasgow in Scotland, and I was taking lessons at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland with bassist Ian Crawford, who performs in orchestras and is a well-known player there. So it was a great experience to be not only with a new professor who has different approaches than ones that I had had at DePauw, but also to be working with someone who, just like at DePauw, is very involved in the larger music community in that country. Well, that sounds great. Now, he didn't teach you any bagpipes or anything, did he, in your lessons? Well, he didn't, but I was actually also part of the National Bagpipe Institute, <laughs> taking a class with other American students to teach us a little bit about the tradition of Highland bagpipes, and um, not just Highland bagpipes. We also talked about different varieties of bagpipes all over the world, from Spain to the Lowlands to England, Ireland, all kind of things. So. It was definitely the best of both worlds, you know, get to go to Scotland and learn a little bit about that traditional music as well. Is that something we're going to be able to hear at Recital Hour one of these weeks? Well, we'll see. I think a set of Highland bagpipes in Recital Hour would burst everyone's eardrums, (laughs) but I do have a chanter and I can play a mean ode to joy. (laughs) Well, I'd love to hear that sometime. Now, what other musical experiences did you have over there? One really amazing experience that I got to have was I went to the World Minimal Music Festival that was held in Amsterdam. And I was really excited because while I enjoy minimal music, I'd never had a chance to hear it performed live. And the guest artist featured with this festival was uh, Terry Riley, who's one of my favorites. So I got to actually hear NC performed a rainbow on curved air performed and it was a really transformative experience to get to hear those things and see these talented musicians uh, take simple ideas and really transform them in interesting ways. That sounds great. What other musical experiences did you get to have over there? Well, the nice thing about Glasgow is it's a very artistic city and there's always a lot of stuff going on. So just being involved in the Royal Conservatoire a little bit I got to go see new music concerts where young composers and slightly more veteran composers put on new works. It was really exciting to see that intellectual community at work over there. And then along with the more traditional styles of music, it's very standard for pubs to have just musicians come and play, accordions, fiddles, bagpipes, any number of instruments. And these people can be the hidden gems and really have amazing talent that's slightly different from the more standard type of classical repertoire that was happening at the conservatoire, but we're nevertheless doing incredible musicianship. And a great thing about the city was just you never really knew what you were going to run into. There were a lot of different opportunities to hear good music. Well, that makes me want to ask you a little bit about the cultural aspects there. What do you think was the most different thing from here? One thing that was a memorable experience was trying the haggis. I didn't know what was in haggis before I tried it, which was probably essential for me being able (laughs) to eat it. Um, After I had it and I knew what it was, 
I was a little bit uncomfortable, but it tasted good enough that I was able to get over it and have some more. Would you like to share with our audience what haggis is? I think it would be best if they uh, look that up on their own <laughs> because it might be a little bit a little bit much for some of our more delicate listeners. <laughs> What's your favorite memory from the trip? I feel a little guilty saying it because it's not directly music related, but maybe one of my favorite memories was uh, going to do hikes across the countryside. And um, we did one on uh, Loch Ness and I did an about a 90 mile hike um, for the uh, great West Highland way. And just really amazing experiences to kind of get away from everything and uh, really enjoy the country and its natural beauty. Well, thanks Burke so much for coming in and sharing that with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back at DePaul and bring some of my new experiences back to share with people here. Our first Green Guest Artists of the Year, Boston-based String Chamber Orchestra, A Far Cry, presented a concert on September 11th. Here they are playing the third movement of Philip Glass's Third Symphony. Thank you. 
It's music for life.